Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. Welcome to Syrupcast. As always, I'm joined by the sexy and spooky Douglas Soltis. How are you, sir? I want to suck your blood. <laughs> and across the spooky channel, the sultry Jane McIntaggart. How are you? Hello. <laughs> now I'm going to talk like this the entire hour. Oh my god, do you? I hope you're lucky. Ooh. All right. <laughs> Happy Halloween. Boo. Ah! <laughs> so the scariest thing I've ever heard. Okay. An Irish woman telling me to boo. To boo. Okay. What are we what are we talking about? We're talking about phones, guys. We're Spooky talking about phones. lots I you said of bones, massive. And I was like, bones is pretty Halloweeny. That's true. Phones and bones. Phones that rattle your bones because they're so heavy. Or <laughs> no, I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> <laughs> boner, take my money. I'm just gonna be like, make your own boner jokes, guys. Oh, okay, well. Fill in the blank. Mad labs with boners. Anyway. Uh. Yeah, let's start there. Let's start. Let's start with the Nexus Six because I think that this is the most uh, interesting slash most controversial device that has been announced this fall, Ooh. and it's interesting because it's not like any other Nexus, and it's controversial because it's so much more expensive than any Nexus. So I had a chance to go down to New York. Um, to chat with the Google team about Nexus, uh, particularly the Nexus 6. And one thing that the head of the product management <clears throat> told me, and I wrote this in my hands-on, they found that instead of trying to cut corners to lower costs and get that price point that people were interested in buying it outright, they wanted to make the best premium Nexus device they could, ramp up the price to compete with the, the Galaxy Notes, and the iPhone 6 Pluses of the world and sell it on contract at a carrier because, and I didn't know this, most Nexus phones are in fact sold through the carrier channels. Mm-hmm. Thoughts? Uh, I was totally right. Why? Nexus You're phones, never right. Nexus phones were a flagship phone, man. It's them, it's them trying to friggin' control the future of Android by creating a flagship phone that all... Other OEMs have to set themselves against. Nexus devices are not dev devices. Tis a myth. No, that's not true. That's not They're true both. At all. They're both. Though, so on the one hand, we spoke, and we'll get to this in a second. But we spoke to uh, an Android dev yesterday at Android TO, and he said that everybody at his team, 
or on his team uses a Nexus phone because not only is it easier for them to do debugging on it because Google unlocks everything and makes it really easy, but uh, it's, yes, it's cheaper. So until now, you know, they were by and large easy devices to buy in bulk for people because they were 350. Now when it's 750 you have or 650 in the US, you have a situation where if you want to buy your whole team of developers a Nexus device to debug on it, you're either going to have to buy a Nexus 5, which is last year's model and not up to date, or you're going to have to buy spend twice as much or buy them out uh, on contract. Yeah. So not a fun scenario. No, that I'm again, the guy was like most people don't really think about buying a phone unlocked because I mean, the phone is unlocked, sorry. Let's get that out of the way. Any phone that you buy in a carrier store, any Nexus 6 you buy at a carrier store in Canada or the U.S. is unlocked. You can use it anywhere. It's going to be updated directly from Google. Nothing has changed on that on that count. But it is more expensive and therefore going to be purchased on contract. So, so do people want to do that? You've spent yeah. some time with the phone. Uh at Android TO yesterday, pretty much every single person wanted to offer you something. <laughs> Handle my and, mandle. And, yeah, they wanted to, they wanted to touch your bone phone, um, but you've you've spent obviously the most time with it, and you also spent uh, you also did the six plus review and then the Note four review. So what's going on? What's going on in this big phone scenario? Because I can't even handle like the Alpha. The Alpha's like, well, this thing's so big, ah. And no, you, you're you're on. using like four times the phone. Yeah, I've never been more torn about using a phone in my life because the Nexus Six and Lollipop in general is a really great experience. It's a big usability improvement over the over KitKat. Um, the apps that Google has updated to include a material design uh, or material design elements they look great and they. They actually work demonstrably better than their predecessors. The problem is that the Nexus 6 is too big, and it's it's it just sure is, it's yeah. it's massive and it's frustrating because you know I for example I have this um, this Xperia Z3 here, and it's a 5.2 inch device. You know it's pretty it's fairly uh, it's a nice big screen. It's bright 1080p, but it's usable in one hand without having to contort your finger to get to the back button or to hit the top of the screen. So, you know, there is a physical limit to what people can can use with one hand, but I found that I underestimated how much stuff in Android or in our smartphones in general that I used with one hand. And it's really frustrating having to retrain yourself to to use a phone with two hands. And I don't really like it. And the Nexus 6, you know, like Jane, you have a you have a one M eight, right? Yeah. Okay, so pick up your one M eight. It's that, far away right what, now. But where, wherever, sorry, but but I picture agree. the one M eight, or picture any phone with on screen navigation buttons, right? You have, it's pretty easy to hit that back Maybe button with is. your with your right hand, or that uh, when you're holding it in the left hand, yeah. that uh, multitasking button with your with your left hand. That means you should be able to hit the other end of the screen with your thumb without really struggling you can't do that on either the iphone 6 plus or the nexus 6 it's really really tough you can't you and cannot. i because i tried on on wednesday because i saw the phone on wednesday and i tried and it's interesting because i'm a two-handed phone person 
always. I never, I rarely use just one hand. But I was, I was talking yesterday and I was saying, you know, it, it's, it's fine. Like, I'll just deal with it. Like, I'll buy it and it'll be great because I use it two hands all the time. And then my husband was like, yeah, except when you're walking through an airport and you want to use one hand. And he's like, I've seen you do that. I've seen you be carrying something in your left hand and just whip out your phone and send a text message. And he's like, you, you, it's not that you use your two hands all the time and that's fine. It's like, it's the times when you don't. And he's like, you shouldn't be forced to do one way or the other. Right. And, and the times in which you want a mobile six. device? Pardon? The, the times in which you want a mobile device? Well, yeah. <laughs> like but the problem device. is, like, the Nexus 6, like, I went to that briefing thinking that it would be like the Note 4 or, to an extent, the, the iPhone 6 Plus, which is like, oh, it sounds like it's going to be huge and the pictures make it look massive. And then you see it and you're like, oh, okay, this isn't so bad. But I saw the Nexus 6 and I was like, this thing is massive. <laughs> like, it was every bit as big as it promised to be. Like, it's huge. And they made it as small as possible. Yeah, I mean, make no mistake, the iPhone 6 Plus is also massive. Um, and the Note 4 is only less slightly, or l- is only slightly less massive. Um, my, my concern is that we've really reached the point of no return. When a flagship from almost every company is coming in at a size that is pretty much unusable in in a way that we took for granted just two or one or two years ago then you have you have a, a serious usability problem and it's not it's not just an aesthetic thing it's not just an inconvenience of oh i now have to use my phone with two hands when i did it with one before it actually changes the definition of mobile as doug was saying and that's a problem and i think that they're doing that in a way slightly to slightly in a way to encourage people to buy wearables but i don't think that's the be all and end all and i and i i want to i want to know why they chose six inches i want to know why they couldn't have gone to 5.5 done what lg did with the g3 and just made a really usable 5.5 inch device and just left it there well because i i think probably because they're a little bit they're following the market um and seeing the size increase i think think it's six inches but well, yeah, but you're 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 following the trend, right? And you're building a device for where the trend's going. Also, if you want a slightly smaller device that's pretty decent, wouldn't you just go to the Moto X? Because isn't it just like the smaller version of the Nexus? It like looks, I you know, spec wise, we can do a comparison. But why would Motorola agree to make a device that would be directly competing with its flagship device? No, oh, that's a that's a very good point. Um, that Google doesn't make the Nexus phone, especially this year, because they're competing. They're no longer competing on on price, or they're no longer undercutting the price of all the flagships. Subsidizing, uh, subsidizing. We we argued about this last week. It's it's not really a subsidy. It's like a they're basically just eating the cost of the phone. But the anyway, whatever. Uh, they're no longer doing that, and and I think that. Uh, one of it has to do with the fact that, uh, yes, the Moto X is the so-called cheaper version of the, of the Nexus 6, and it's also $100 less on contract in both Canada and the U.S. Because uh, in the U.S., it's going to be, and I, I, I'm not going to say the exact number because that's that's breaking the embargo, but I'm going to say that it's going to be competitive with all the other major flagship smartphones on contract as well as off contract. So, you know, we have a situation where somebody's going to go to a Rogers or Bell or Telestore, look, in, look at the, the devices on the shelf and no longer 
see this really high-end smartphone for $100 or $200 less than it used to be, or the, than, than the, the next big smartphone. Okay, well, so then do you think that the device performance matches those smartphones that it's priced similarly to, so that at least you're getting, you know, that the sting is not there where you can say, well, okay, well, I'm dropping this amount of money, but it'd be the same amount of money that I'd be spending for basically the plus of the Note 4, so... Uh, it's it's worth it. Like which 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 of the if your if your teeny tiny hands had to grab for a big giant phone sitting in front of you, which of those three would it be at this point? I don't know. I mean, it goes back to the review thing, right? It's it's personal preference. Some people preference, uh, you know, Samsung made, in my opinion, and I and I stand by this. I think the Note Four is the best phablet on the market. Period. It has the S Pen when you want it. It it hides away when you don't. It's a little bit more compact than the Nexus 6 and the iPhone 6 Plus. It's um, got an amazing screen, great camera. It's very fast, blah, blah, blah. They all they all are. But Samsung does more to make it the phone usable in one hand, and they make it more interest. They have a bunch more features. So if you want features, that's the one to go with. The Nexus, the Nexus 6 is going to be updated by Google for two years. It's basically the iPhone of the, the Android world. If you value that and you want Lollipop earlier than any other phone, there's no other option, period. I mean, it's... It's, unless you want the Nexus 5. Um, and I think if you value software as much as I do, I would pick the Nexus 6 over any other phone on the market uh, in the Android ecosystem. Because software is Google's priority here. And they, they I mean, lo- Lollipop straight from Google is going to be better than Lollipop from any other OEM as well. Okay, so do we want to talk Lollipop or at least an aspect of Lollipop? That is. Well, Jane, what do you what do you think of this? I mean, like, you've you've never not bought a Nexus phone, and I'm really interested in whether this is going to be your first phone. You know, like a you. They price me them. out. They price me out. I'm like, I know that you say, and, and I, I tend to agree in general that not everybody wants <laughs> that not everybody wants or hardly anybody wants to to buy a phone outright. Most people will buy it on contract. And that's slightly different in in Europe, I feel. But here, for sure. But I'm I don't know if it's just like a, a holdout from from where I'm from. But I I hate buying a contract phone. But because of that, I will not buy this Nexus phone. Like I can't. Yeah. Like I can't spend eight hundred dollars on a phone. Yeah. Can't do uh, it. So now, do you think? Like I feel that same way too. So is it is it just like this is the first Nexus phone to match all the others in this new era of being like. Where you have to really sit down and have but a we've long been talking look like, at your soul. We've been talking over the last, I think, couple of months. And I know that, uh, I think it was when the, the Note 4 pricing came out. And Ian was like, whoa, it's that expensive. Seriously, like it's that expensive. And it seems like even on contract, the phones are getting more expensive. And so I feel like this has been, it's, it's been going this way for a while. Like I feel, I feel like two, three years ago, it wasn't, it wasn't so bad. But Well, I mean... For example, phones are getting bigger. They're getting more expensive yeah. in general. That's nothing new. Um, what's What's interesting about today's market is we've we, we're almost a year. Well, we're we're just over a year after the carriers in Canada released their two year share plan contracts, right? So we have the the phones have had time to sort of the market has had time to adjust in terms of pricing, because what happened immediately afterwards is that. When they started introducing phones on a two-year contract, they increased the prices of the plans a, a lot right away. 
but the prices of the phones didn't increase because they didn't want to scare away customers. So the phones increased maybe by $20, $25. So they went from maybe $199 to $219. But the iPhone 6 and the Note 4 are both almost $300 on contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So these are big investments. These are people who go into a store and they want the latest iPhone and they say, oh crap, like I used to be able to get this for a hundred bucks. Now I have to spend yeah. almost Yeah, And that's know, what it used to be. That. Upgrading was so easy because people would walk in and be like, oh, it's a it's hundred or it's 199. Like, sure, that's nothing. But now it's like... But that was, miscon- that was misconstruing or that, that was actually um, hiding the value of the phone itself. That was... That was dishonest in many ways. Because you were amortizing the, the price of the phone over three years, that wasn't really the value of the phone. No, I'm now, not saying that, but I'm saying that it's now, lo- it's now no longer like attractive for me to consider signing a contract. Because I'm like, well, if I have to pay $300 anyway, and I'm going to be locked in for two years, like, screw that. Well, no, but I think the thing with that is, is it's not even the, just the new sticker shock of, oh, wait, that's what a subsidized phone is now. It's... Uh, also, I have to pay more per month because yeah, I have it's to everything together. My everything plan. is more expensive. So, like, I'm in a situation where, like, not even are the device prices freezing me out. Like, I'm in. A, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to change anything about. I want to stay in 2012 <laughs> in terms of like my phone pricing and I guess my phone usage. I'm. I'm still. I have this beat up little workhorse. Not a workhorse. It's a. It was a like a trophy wife that I still married to. Um, work pony. Work pony. <laughs> Show pony. It's a um, Shetland pony. The Shetland pony. The I Shetland. Um, because because like there's I'm I'm stuck in a position where as as a now adult who's supposed to make rational decisions, there's no way I'm going to spend that much money on anything that just does a little bit more of what this does. You can't. I can't make that personal decision. I can't. I can't no, justify true. that. I mean, we're we're in a particularly unique position, and we've been called out on the, in the comments many times that we're not typical smartphone users, and I and I totally understand that. Um, you know, Douglas, if you today had to give up that iPhone, you would probably have a couple of devices that you could fall back on. Most people don't. Most people would have to go to a store once they break their device and say, "Shit, I have to think about whether I want to buy a." cheap ass phone to keep my old contract or buy a new phone on contract and upgrade my plan to something that is probably going to be double the cost no you know what i would do i would go straight to ebay i would go straight to craigslist and i would wait for one of those people who is selling their old phone after because they want to buy a note 4 and i would totally circumvent the the first sale market and go to the resale market because at least then, like, if I could get someone to even give me last year's Moto X because they want to buy this year's Moto X, the, that functionality is at least parity with a phone if I break it. I would, not, I would not go into a carrier store and be like, hey, give me the latest and greatest or give me the, the newest but crappiest. I would go for um, – and this is kind of like the question in the, the alpha reviews. Like, do you want – um, a brand new phone with these compromises to hit a price point, or do you want a really great phone from last year at the same price just because it's older? And I would, I would try to uh, buy a used version of a really great phone. Then. Yeah, you would, but most people wouldn't. Most I, people don't trust the reseller market. They don't know what to look for. 
Maybe, okay, that's that's interesting. I, I would whether or not um, they would. I think that that's probably the best bet for someone who doesn't have unlimited phone access like we do. But also um, that that also likely precludes a warranty. So if you buy a phone off eBay, that phone is either a year old or it's you know maybe approaching its its warranty date. And that's a big thing too, right? Um, and I and I wanted to touch on that a little bit because the carriers we. Uh, and we'll come back to material design in a minute because that's kind of I want to I want to bookend our, our discussion on the big phablets with material design. But I want to talk about Rogers for a second because Rogers launched uh, with Vice Media yesterday. They announced a hundred million dollar uh, collaboration distribution partnership. Uh, and one thing that that Guy Lawrence Rogers CEO mentioned was he wants Rogers if they're going to be selling contracts and phones at the same price as every other carrier he wants there to be value adds for their customers he just if they're going to be a dump pipe that owns a bunch of content it may be an expensive dump pipe but he wants there to be a reason to go with rogers over bell or Telus. and what he's saying is that show me is only going to be available initially to rogers customers and shaw that's irrelevant because it's internet only sorry um but nhl game center they're giving them away for free for anybody for the rest of the season to anybody who has uh, a share plus plan. And he said that a bunch of this Vice content, the one that's the stuff that's going to be created in Canada for Canadians, is going to be made exclusively, is going to be made available exclusively to Rogers and Fido customers. That is super interesting to me. So a dumb pipe with benefits. A dumb pipe with benefits is can exactly they do that? what. It, of course, no, no, they they can certainly do that. They're not. They're not. It's it's the same argument that. Um, that they have for uh, the game plus. Yeah, stuff. but that's they, they're saying like that's that's not traditional TV broadcast. Blah, blah. Is it can, can they say that program like brand new shows, but programming created for Canadians? Like, I don't understand how they can. As long as it's not going on television, it can be given directly to mobile customers uh, exclusively. Okay, fair enough. So that's well, I mean that's what enough, they're saying. <laughs> well, it's kind of shitty, but yeah, no, I know, yeah. But that's that's kind of the way it's the way it's been. I mean, Bell just launched their project Latte yesterday yeah. and, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, so this is something that's, that's really interesting to me is that instead of walking into a store and seeing the prices of phones, you're going to see a little, little price and then you're going to see NHL free with a purchase. And that's how they're going to get you because they spent a shitload of money on all this content to make it, to, to incentivize you to either stay with Rogers because their churn was higher than Bell and Intellis's last quarter and if you're not already with Rogers, they want you to come over by saying, yeah, your your contract's going to be slightly more expensive than it used to be, but at NHL. Yeah, well, it's shit. We were at Android TO yesterday, and they had, Rogers had phone displays uh, for the Android developers to check out. But what was what was on the banners? Game Center? NHL. NHL yeah, is so, I mean, spooky. That's exactly, that's exactly it. So Vice is just going to be another... Thing that they can add to their arsenal, uh, their content arsenal, and this is unique programming, right? Mm-hmm. So that's uh, it's really interesting. So anyway, l- let's go back to material design, Jane. I'd love to know as an, an- you've been using basically Android since the very beginning, yeah, uh, and you've been using Google, like Google Android, the stuff that Google makes uh, for as long as I can remember. What's what's your thought on material design i love it i mean i've always been kind of in two minds with when it comes to to software because 
when people ask me like hey what, should, what phone should i buy or more commonly one of like my very nerdy male friends will say oh my girlfriend my wife wants to buy like an iphone like tell her that android is better convince her that like she doesn't need to buy that phone and and usually i'm that's like that's for all womanhood <laughs> that's but that's what it usually happens like i find that usually I'm, I've even had like one of my one of my very very good friends came to me. He's like, I want to buy the new iPhone. This is last year. He's like, I want to buy the new iPhone, but he won't let me. Like, he tells me that I should get an Android. Like, like what can I say to convince him that it's okay for me to use the iPhone? And it's like for me, I always say that, hey, like if you don't want the the level of complexity that Android affords you, and a lot of Android most Android users don't want that because they're just like they're just buying like you know their HTC Desire. Like they're not buying a Nexus phone so they can build apps or they're not like putting cyanogen mod on there um so yeah i'm like yeah we'll get the iphone i think that android has finally reached a point where it's consumer friendly and they've packaged everything up real nice like and it looks and acts like like a very consumer friendly os that i wouldn't be afraid to to recommend to my to my non um tech savvy friends i think that so it finally it, kind of come in line with with ios in terms of like user friendliness and usability it's yes. smart and pretty yeah it's it's smart pretty and really really smooth yes it's it's like it's like a 15 year old whiskey over a 12 year old whiskey like it they're both amazing kitkat yeah fantastic scotch but a 15 year old scotch is just that much better and i'm sure 5.1 is going to be an 18 year old scotch because they'll get out all the kinks do you know what the difference between a, a 12 year old scotch and a 15 year old scotch is Tell me, Douglas. Three goddamn years. <laughs> My favorite bartender will always say that. I'm trying to upsell, but um, we should do a Scotch podcast. Wow. But we should okay, do so a Scotch podcast. that smoothness though is new to Android, but not new to other OSs. Like they've, what no, you're, it's, it's not, not smoother Android, than anything else. Like... They, well, no, no, I, I'm, that's not a dig. It's more just like comparatively. Are you saying this is like a mind, like industry? breaking smoothness or performance or is it just now at that point where with certain android apps or the tra- like they've added transitions they've added things that gives it a sense of motion in life beyond what it had before yes but not only that i mean there are there are some serious technical reasons why lollipop is faster than any previous version and the android runtime art replacing dalvik is the biggest reason yeah. for that because uh, as Kevin Grant said yesterday, so Kevin Grant is the lead Android design engineer for Tumblr. He came up from New York yesterday and talked about, uh, in front of a, an am- amazing and enormous audience of Android lovers and developers, uh, talked about material design and adapting your existing apps for material design, uh, but just more in general about how far Android has come in terms of fragmentation and the way that developers can create a single app that's uh, that's great across screen sizes and, and all devices. He said that uh, Android Runtime fixes all the garbage collection, all the stuff that happens in the background when your app is running, making it a lot faster. And because of that, Android is, uh, and I hate to use this term, but it's a little bit more real-time. So, Doug, I know you said that I said the iOS is a real-time OS in my iPhone 6 Plus review, and that's not technically correct. It's not a real-time OS the way that, say, Qnix is, in the sense that it runs things, it runs a single process in the foreground and and basically shuts out anything happening in the background if you don't want it to, and uh, that way it's it's a real-time 
situation and nothing can fuck it up in the background. Did we lose uh, Daniel? But iOS is not like that. Oh, did it's you guys more, lose me? That's it gives much higher priority to the processes happening in the foreground than the background, and therefore things tend to stay smoother. Android Lollipop is similar to that. It, it, it deals with things in the background more intelligently and therefore doesn't use processes unnecessarily to make your scrolling uh, a little bit uh, more janky. And, and a good example of that is whenever you're updating things in the Play Store and that's happening in the background and then you're scrolling through an app, every time the app installs, you may get a second or two of uh, stutteriness. That no longer happens. It may be because the Snapdragon 805 in the Nexus 6 is really fast, but I found the same thing on the Nexus 5. So I find that Android is just in general a little bit more like iOS in its smoothness now. That's the least technical way I can describe it, but it's really, really nice, and those animations are delicious. So, yeah, I think there's a lot uh, to be said for how... You know, remember when Android 4.1 came out and it was all Project Butter, Project Butter? Yeah. This is really the first Project Butter, I think. Yeah, and I think a lot of the a lot of that a lot of what we're talking about is impossible to see without playing with the phone yourself. Like True. You can you can read all the posts about like, oh, like Lollipop brings X update or Y update or this is like what the camera can do and, and all that kind of stuff, but most of of what get what's getting us excited about it is something that you're just gonna notice over time at using the device. You're gonna be like, Oh, like you can you can read all the posts you want, but it's you're you're not gonna notice it until you're using it every day and being like, Hey, like that that didn't used to be like that or Hey, this is so much. Did did Doug go somewhere? No. Oh, Doug, Doug, I'm, ba- I'm back, and we're back. Hey. The internet is no longer dead. Whoa, Ooh. that was weird. Now there's two Douglas. And there's two of you. Oh, I'm gonna no. eject the. I'm gonna eject the static Douglas. Hang on. <laughs> I'm alive. Um, um, so did you guys yeah, all James drop just... you or I disappear? Hmm? What? Did okay. I guess I got booted. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm just gonna warn you now that she is, she is honestly purring closer to the mic than she was last week. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Hello, Harvey Dent. Anyway. So continue. Yeah, no, I think that most of the benefits that you're gonna see are not gonna, are not gonna be anything that you can read about. You're just gonna have to to use it for yourself. Like especially, you know, Project Volta, which is optimize the battery, battery life and stuff. You just, you just gonna have to experience it. It needs to be seen to be believed. Yeah, I, I have to say, in my couple, in initial day or two of usage, the Nexus Six battery life hasn't blown me away. I mean, this is a nope. cell that's the same size as the Note Four, so it's thirty-two twenty milliamps, and theoretically that should be combined with Project Volta giving me two days of battery because the Note Four gave me a day and a half pretty easily. Yeah, uh, it's not quite there yet, and I imagine it's because a lot of the apps that I'm using have not been optimized yet. Yeah, for Project Volta, they haven't. They haven't hit uh, that point where developers have used the battery APIs. And, and, and just to give you a bit of background on what Project Volta is, it's a way to systematically update uh, things in the background when the phone is idle or when it's plugged in. So instead of the, say you, you tell your RSS reader to update every hour, it will no longer just update on the hour t- when you tell it if you're running something in the foreground that's taking a lot of CPU processes. It will then wait until your phone is idle or plugged in or not being used that much, and then it'll initiate that update. And it'll initiate a bunch of updates at once so that it batches them together so that your phone is not constantly 
increasing, like revving up and then slowing down, and then revving up and then slowing down. That's what iOS 7 did. And it um, over time, once developers started adapting to the new APIs, it did increase battery life for existing devices. So you can expect the same kind of experience here. Is the software on that phone final as well? Uh, they said that it's it's final-ish. A lot of the apps, like uh, some of the more, uh, some of the the first-party apps haven't been updated yet, and we're still getting uh, we're still getting updates today, or I think yesterday they were still coming through. So yeah. I don't know if all the software is final, but I think the actual shipping version of the OS is final. Okay, because like that, you know, that can be the biggest factor, especially if if it's first-party apps, because battery optimization is the last thing that happens. Oh yeah, for sure. That's adorable, Jane. Like, Can you hear it? Oh yeah. I'm so sorry. It's okay. It's okay. It's actually kind of soothing. I can't get her to stop. And the thing is, I already took this off because she was like running around with it, and it was like driving me crazy. <laughs> hey. It's okay. She's our she's our mascot. Yeah. Token podcat. <laughs> podcat. Okay, so then um, I'm I'm really excited to use. Lollipop. I really want to give it a try because obviously, in just in watching the progression of Android OS, you've seen it start. I think as Jane put it, with just that uh, level of complexity and functionality, and providing you essentially every option, completely malleable. Mm. Um, and to see them slowly streamline that and integrate it in a way where it, it wasn't just oh yeah, there's a menu option for that to change it to make it better. They were also making really good decisions or, or things happen more easily in a, in a smarter way. So if, if they've added like an, uh, an element of, you know, fun and color and beauty, so you're not just staring at like these like dark, weird teal <laughs> screens all the time. Um, I, I really want to I really want to play with it. I really yeah, want to check think it you, out. I think you said it perfectly when you're like, it's smart and pretty nice. Because they actually haven't re- removed, like they haven't removed the complexity. They haven't made it, you know, they haven't dumbed it down at all. And just then, and and they haven't said, oh, people want to be user friendly. People want to be just given like the best option. They don't want ten different options. Mm-hmm. Um, and they haven't they haven't removed any of those options. They just kind of they they dressed, I guess, their their default up real nice like, and then and then you still have that level of complexity, but it's 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 behind the scenes. And if you want to go there, you can. And if you don't want to touch it, you don't have to. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of putting it. Android is no less malleable or flexible. But things that were a little bit ugly before, things that were not quite as well thought out, not well engineered, say the share sheet, you know, how that was a ubiquitous option in in all apps, that's been significantly improved. If, um, say, you share, a, um, you go into Chrome and you share a page to Evernote to save that page mm-hmm. a lot, when you go and share a, a page, um, when you share something in Chrome now, Evernote will rise to the top every time. So you don't have to scroll through that list of share extensions to find it. Stuff like that, little considered improvements that Google was like, people are doing the same thing hundreds of times a day. We just make we should make it really easy for them to do that, uh, to, to to take those actions. Um, the the thing that I, I mean, this is one of the features that I love so much about Lollipop. Whenever you get a new Android phone, it's really frustrating to restore all your settings to get the apps that you like back on the phone to get your home screen the way it was. Mm-hmm. With this, you just touch it to an older Android phone using NFC, and it'll actually tell you all the apps and the settings that you're, were on your phone, your old phone, and it'll just give you that exact same experience on the new phone right away. 
it's amazing. It really works great. That's really cool. Yeah. Does it actually does it work? Does it work well? Because I might oh, have been amazing. so limited. But I've, one of I've my, done it twice, and it one of my every... peeves with um, other with older versions of Android is that when when you set up a new phone, and I am doing this all the time, just from testing phones, and it's it's like, would you like to restore back? And you're like, sure, yeah, I'd love to do that. I'd love my apps to be there. And then you get like like 60% or 70% of your apps, and then you go to find apps that you have installed, and they're not there. And it's just yeah, it so spotty. They're trying to install OEM-specific apps, like like uh, Samsung Keyboard, <laughs> to yeah. your like Motorola phone. And you're like, no, no, not that one. No, I don't need this. Yeah, that's, need that's my... another good one. So, so I'm, um, I'm excited that it actually works. Well, not, not only that, but uh, the carrier apps, whenever they're pre-installed on a phone... They're now installed on the data permission on the, on the data partition, not the system partition. And what that means is that you can now uninstall carrier apps, even if the carrier doesn't want you to. Ugh. Every single Lollipop device will let you uninstall carrier apps. Nice. Now, is that something that when is only going to be a stock thing, or are OEMs going to? So from that? what what from what I understand, it's it's a system wide uh, function, meaning that. If you pre-install a Lollipop, uh, a version of Lollipop, regardless of how much it's changed, you have to install carrier apps on the data partition, not the system partition. Okay. It's the same thing that when they introduced dis- the function to disable apps in Jellybean, I think, or, uh, yeah, Jellybean, the OEMs can't turn that off. They can't prevent you from disabling certain apps unless they're system apps. So... It should be easier to uninstall carrier apps. Craps. Uh, okay, so let's talk about uh, Motorola and Lenovo and 360 and the Moto X with Bamboo and all of the Motos. And the Xperia. Uh, well, let's we'll get there. But <laughs> I want I want to talk Motorola. I want to talk their their intention to stay the same, regardless of uh, who owns them. Lenovo. That closed this week, right? It closed yesterday. Mm. Pretty, pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. So Motorola is now owned by Lenovo, the third, the fourth biggest, rather, uh, OEM. Jane wrote about that yesterday. Yep. Um, so what do you guys think? Mo- Lenovo seems to be doing some interesting things. They just launched the Yoga 2 Tablet Pro um, with uh. a Pico projector. It's going to be great for Motorola, or going to be great for Lenovo, um, as long as they leave Motorola alone. You think they will? Uh, In the long run? I don't think they're stupid. I think... <laughs> I I hope. I mean... I mean, everyone keeps bringing up the ThinkPad example. And I think that's it's really um, indicative of, of Lenovo um, knowing... I don't know. Where yeah, its strengths it, lie, and I hope that I hope that they can that they can see that they purchased Motorola so that they could get a foothold in in the North American market. And the reason they bought it was because Motorola was was knew what it was doing. So yeah, but the new Motorola hasn't made a cent in like three years. Yeah, but the old Motorola was sh- terrible. Yes, the old Motorola was losing lots of cents. So yeah, it was like droid razors out the fucking wazoo and now we're getting moto g and moto e and moto x and the 360 and beautiful devices motorola is sexy so lenovo bought sexy and i really don't want them to be like yeah i don't know 
I think the biggest thing is if it if they stay hands off and as Jane said, use it as a as a inroads to the North American market, but put some marketing muscle behind it, that could be a really big deal. Because like it it just seems to be demonstrated that in the Android space to to step away and set yourself apart, you need you need you need money. You need to spend money to to get your phone awareness higher. Um, so I, I think that that could really it help seems Motorola like, with sales. I don't, I can't remember who had said it, but there was a story or that a report that Motorola Lenovo once it got its hands on, on Motorola officially was gonna was gonna put out a Motorola tablet and tab, like Motorola has not been particularly successful or 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 aggressive in its tablet strategy I think but the way they were talking was both it gave me hope but it also made me a little bit worried because they were saying that Motorola has this awesome like brand recognition in Europe and that's that's what we want to exploit we want to release a Motorola branded tablet because that brand resonates with the Europeans um, and I was like oh hey that's awesome that means that they're going to do what they're supposed to do but then Lenovo but then it seemed that they were also like yeah well there's going to be like dual marketing opportunities and um, and it sounds like they're going to not only sell Motorola devices in markets where people already know Motorola and, and want to buy those devices, but it seems like they're also going to leverage the Motorola name for themselves, which I think is a, is a touchy subject, and it, it's a very delicate process. Yes. I mean, it's uh, fine if it's all it's going on is like, you know, you know Moto, Moto 360 or, or Moto X, you know, brought to you by Lenovo, like... And yeah, so your, your fear approach. is that they're going to stamp the Motorola brand on some Lenovo products that are less than sexy. Yeah, I just, I just, no. yeah, I just... So they, they, at least in the short term, are not going to do that. They said that uh, Motorola will be a wholly owned subsidiary, which means that okay. like Google treated Motorola, there is going to be uh, a lot of independence and a proxy between the two companies. Uh, one thing that struck me was that Lenovo is one of the uh, most prodigious uh, uh, bastardizers of Android. They just destroy Android in China, uh, like a lot of OEMs, like uh, Xiaomi and, and Oppo and all of these local OEMs that create Android devices for the Chinese market. Android does not resemble in China what it actually does in North America, not even close. Most, most devices don't have an app drawer because they want to be more like the iPhone. They don't have access to the Google Play Store. And if they do, there's a bunch of uh, regional differences. Uh, there's a lot of really weird apps installed. I had a Oppo Find 7A and it was just an awful experience. Um, I've never used a Lenovo device, so I don't know how bad it is. But I, I do know that Lenovo doesn't plan to change that strategy or take Motorola's strategy of just using stock Android and building on top of it for the Chinese market because they say that that is not something the Chinese customer wants. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, in the, in the long term, things yeah. might change. I think it might, I, I'm, I'm eager to see what it means for hardware because Lenovo hardware. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Is 
in terms of phones, like their their Vibe Z series and all those. Um, they're not available in Canada, but you know Motorola likes to trot them out at every major electronics trade show, regardless of where they sell them. And they're really kind of Xperia-esque, I think. They're like they're they're not. They don't. If I had to pick a brand, if someone asked me what what does it look like, you know, what's what what's a phone that I can touch that it, that is similar, I would say it's like the Xperia Z2. So, so I'm, I'm just eager. like slates, just like yeah, yeah, slates. and kind of like a little bit more angular, very very slender, but but harder edges and and a little less ergonomic and and curvy in the hand. Um, so I'm I'm eager to see what it means for Lenovo's mobile hardware. Yeah, I think from they've already made they already make pretty good hardware. I yeah, mean, we've seen. They, they've made some amazing smartphones and tablets and PCs and hybrids and everything. You know, the, the, the original Yoga was actually the only Windows 8 device that I was ever really interested in. Um, let's, uh, let's, let's change um, tune here. What is that? Traffic. Traffic. Trick-or-treaters. Stupid cars. Mm, starting early. Um... Let's let's talk about. Um, you want to talk about the Xperia? Uh, not Z3. really. Just you know, it's out. Go buy it's it. It's out. Oh, or don't. Breaking news: the Bell Xperia oh, Z3 that... Compact uh, is not six ninety nine like we like we thought. It was, it's actually five forty nine oh, without amazing. a contract. There you go. And it's seventy nine ninety five on a two year contract. So that is for the that compact? has just been released. Just yeah, for the which is a Bell exclusive. That's awesome. And the Z3 itself is $100 more at $179 on a two-year contract. Okay. So pretty so, much in line with, with others. Yeah, it's pretty reasonable, I'd say. Um, $300. So let's move on. Let us talk. Uh, what do you guys want to talk about? Do we want to, do we want to talk about, go back to the, because I, I think that Rogers conversation was really interesting. Um, the Vice this, and, and the Yeah, the Vice and, and then, stuff. you know, Bell's dropped their, their hat into the ring. Their um, latte. Yeah, or they announced their intention to <laughs> have a product, yeah. um, which I guess you know after you you pull out of a joint venture like they did with Xiaomi, it's going to take some time. But um, you know, Daniel, you and I have been going back and forth on Xiaomi for a while, uh, trying to figure out a way to get that conversation to be compelling or take the compelling parts and display it on the site. And now we have Project Latte, which. Um, for me, like the only thing here is like HBO, because in the U.S., the big news last week was HBO has announced that in 2015, you will be able to buy HBO direct from HBO without the need for um, cable service. Yes, cable or I guess any sort of internet service. Um, I feel like Project Latte is going to prevent Canadians from enjoying that. Am I right? Yes, at the moment you are. So I had a long talk last night with Ben Class, who's my go-to telco uh, aficionado, Yay. and he he told me something interesting. He said that this is never meant. This wasn't even meant to compete with Show Me, and it's certainly not meant to compete with Netflix. It's not an over-the-top product, or at least not in its initial form. What they're going to do is they're going to offer it to existing TV subscribers as a set-top box. Uh, add-on, so it's it's a value add similar to Show Me, but it's only available to TV subscribers across the country. So if you have a Rogers cable subscription or a Bell Vibe, uh, what is it, Vibe TV Vibe, subscription yeah. or Telus Optic TV, 
you will if you pay for any package at all so even if it's basic cable bell will allow you to sign up for project latte which uh, will give you access to hbo tmn and a bunch of other content from ctv and its partners uh, for an undisclosed price i hope it's not too bad but it's in, it's it's in addition to if you buy hbo from one of, from your cable subscribe from your cable subscription and you use tmn go this is going to be in addition to that or uh, alongside it so if you don't already pay for hbo with your cable package uh, if you just want basic cable and you want to augment it with uh, with hbo content then you can buy something like project latte and that's that's not a competitor how because you can't buy it without a TV subscription. Uh, and you need it's to not, already have... You need to already have some form of television in your home, and you need to link it up with that. So it's different to Show Me because Show Me allows internet subscribers to buy Show Me on its own. I think, right? the, the, I think the easiest way to explain it to people, because I've tried to explain it to someone already, and they're like, yeah, but what's, what's the difference between this and, and like Netflix? I'm like... People will say to you, I'm going to cancel my cable and get Netflix instead. You can't say, I'm going to cancel my cable and get Latte instead, because you have to have cable. So again, I ask how... I think that's a distinction without difference, because if... <laughs> the whole point is people buy this so they don't cancel their cable and get Netflix. How is that not competition? How is that not a competitor? I think I think it's a naive of us to buy the line that these companies are selling that because it's only intended for their customers it's in no way competing they would not be even releasing this product if netflix didn't exist they wouldn't even be considering it so this is yes in a way it's a competitor to netflix but it's uh it's it's not even looking at netflix as a uh as a reason or at least Netflix is inspiring this, let's put it like that, but it's certainly not the reason it exists. The reason it exists is that Bell and Rogers spend millions, hundreds of millions of dollars a year on licensing content. They need another avenue to releasing this, this backlog content, this binge watch, you know, previous year season content. And they want more money because their cable revenues are slowing and they need another, uh, they need another revenue stream. So uh, this is, and, and it, I, should be, I should have said that uh, from what I understand, Project Latte and Show Me, or sorry, maybe not Show Me, but Project Latte may not count against one's internet uh, usage. So if you're a Bell customer and you sign up for Project Latte, it <clears throat> won't count towards your internet. That's interesting. Um, but so now let's take a look at the rest of the population then that is going to be denied HBO access in Canada because Bell's releasing this product. Why would they be denied HBO access? I don't understand. Because I'm sure Bell signed an agreement saying don't bring your digital HBO programming here because we have Project Latte. Like, no, that's- so Bell already offers HBO to everybody through its cable package, right? Mm-hmm. So Rogers customers, Telus customers, anybody who buys cable or satellite through one of the you know one of these guys if you go to tmngo.ca there are more than a dozen operators that uh, offer HBO so if you buy through your television subscription you currently have access to HBO content through tmngo bell owns a, a, um, they own astral now 
So hang on. It's Bell, Bell Alliant, Bell Fiber Op, Brook Telecom, Bryce, Bruce Telecom, Cable Cable, Kajiko, Eastlink, Hay Communications, Mornington, Cable TV, North Northern Tel, Rogers, T Bay Tel, Source Cable, Vionet, Videotron, Media, Whiteman TV. These are all wholesalers that basically give their local regions HBO access. If you are one of those customers right now and you pay for HBO, you can use TMN Go, which is the only way to get HBO content online in Canada. Okay, so then again, in 2015, American citizens will be, yeah, so. Oh, you're saying this is, this is their way of preventing Canadians from getting HBO without a cable subscription. Yeah. Well, that was never the intention because Bell's locked in to uh, HBO content. They own it. They have no reason to, to give it away online only because there's the margins are much lower. Yeah, so again, how is this not competition if they're locking customers into making certain purchasing choices instead of having all the products open to us and choosing the one that we want? Because you're living in an ideal you know, in a crazy ideal world where that would ever happen. The United States? That's where it's happening the, the in United 2015? States? Okay, so the, the problem here is that we don't know the details of HBO's, uh, ser- you know, over-the-top service. Very true. Uh, we don't know the price, and we don't know whether all of HBO content will be available. Uh, and, and at the same time, uh, American, the American internet market is a little bit different. Even the most hated cable company in the United States... Uh, Comcast. Comcast. Comcast doesn't... Doesn't uh, have ca- uh, doesn't have internet caps. Even Comcast doesn't have caps. So you're looking at a situation where HBO could offer their services over the top, and people won't care because they could just use it all month and not worry about going over their caps. In Canada, Project Latte would be compelling because they give us 100 me- 100 gigabytes for like 50 bucks a month. Wait, they, so they're they're making one product compelling because they're gouging us over on data prices? Absolutely. That's not that's 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 picking your pocket and then punching you in the face. Like they're screwing you two ways. No, hey, they're th- picking your pocket and then giving you a cloth to wipe off your face when your nose starts bleeding. Like that's it's them basically saying we understand that you're limited with your bandwidth. We have no choice because of our self-imposed you know, we understand that we limited your bandwidth. Correct. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm saying that it's it's their way of of throwing you a bone after hitting you in the head with it. Yes. Right. I, I would much I, rather be able to go buy my bones in the open than move market. to the states. There's no yeah, option like, here. I'm I'm not sure what you're you want. You're basically saying like, other countries have it better. It's like, yeah, well, what else is fucking new? Like, grass the, is greener. Breaking news. The United States is 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 also an egregious overpricer of of broadband internet. Um, other comp- other countries have it way better than the United States and Canada. Like anywhere in Europe, you can go and get high-speed ba- high internet for way less. Well, so then don't we have a responsibility to point out that, you know, Bell and Rogers' positioning, that these are compelling offerings, are not so compelling when um, considering both the ideal and the reality the of other countries? Yeah, yeah, but why? Why do we accept that? With this, we're in the twenty first well, century. I'm like, sitting here saying I'm not going to buy a fucking contract phone because where I'm from, like it's not robbery, and and yeah. I'm saying so, like, 
So then, they, why do we have to pretend like Canada is the only place where this stuff happens? I think it's it, it's what allows them to create this narrative of of competition and great services and but it's fine all to, the other okay, BS. It's fine to point out that there are better options elsewhere, but those options also aren't open to Canadians. So I think we have a duty to say, here are your options. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to play the optimist here and say that this is just another choice for Canadians to get decent content. It's certainly not going to be as expensive as buying an HBO package through a cable subscription. So if you get basic cable, if you spend 40 bucks a month to get like CBC and a mm -hmm. ABC and whatever, you can then buy this in addition to that for 10 or 15 bucks a month and get unlimited HBO. And if you're a Bell subscriber, then you don't have to pay internet overages. To me, that actually sounds like a, like a huge improvement over the way things are. Yes. No, and it is because I think previously, like say three years ago, you actually couldn't get the HBO package unless you were buying up. You couldn't just go basic cable and HBO. You had to go like premium Bell to yeah. get HBO access. Um, but, okay, so slightly better, but not, not good and not really what anyone would choose if they could just have their druthers. I, 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 I can't. I can't just sit here and just accept the narrative that they want to present. Not, not when there's... So there's these things on the internet or apps and services that you can buy for like, I don't know, $50 a year, which makes all the Canadian problems that we have by sitting in Canada just disappear. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's... If I was the CRTC, I would be leaving like horses' heads in the beds. <laughs> of these, like, I'd be like... It's just not... Okay, so yeah, the CRTC is currently looking at making a basic cable package really cheap for people. So they're, they're, they, they are looking into legislating that, uh, which could be really great because you could spend like 20 bucks a month for really basic cable and then buy all this stuff on top of it. And yeah. that, I think, is what Bell yeah. is, is preparing for. Yep. Like at the end of the day, Douglas, like if your sister or, okay, mom came to you and said, oh, like I want to get HBO content. Would you not recommend Project Latte, like, in, say, we're already living in a world where it's available and it's officially called Project Latte. Would you, would you tell her not to get it because it's... Not if I could say, hey, go to HBO.com, sign up, give them your credit card information, then you have HBO. Yeah, but that's not, like, we don't know that that's going to happen. Like, okay, so are, the, are you saying that in a perfect world, like, providers, like, providers from, the, like, this international... This isn't, like, a platonic ideal. Like, this isn't the republic that we're talking about here. This is talking about, like, like No, but HBO you're saying if only that international, broad, like, if only that international, you know, broadcaster or, or TV company would, would make their content available to us the way they do to people in the States. Like... Yeah. What I would tell my mom is, Mom, uh, I'm going to set up a piece of software for you, and then you're going to get... HBO from the U.S. And then I well, would my mom lives in the U.S. So I, don't, I wouldn't have to do that, but oh, okay. um, yeah, I would tech support my mom because I know that there's, I you know, why would I present my mom with a false choice? I'm not going to well, do my mom like that. It's not a false choice. Because Netflix has proven that even if the content is not uh, is is not enduring, if if like people know that the Canadian Netflix isn't the best place to go for amazing content it's still cheap enough and easy enough to get that people will choose it over pirating most of the time yeah and i so, think it, it goes back to i don't know if you guys remember gabe i'm not newell, a piracy advocate in any way gabe newell uh -huh. um 
said that piracy is a service problem. Like, it's a service issue. It's like, if you make content easy to access and price it, like, price it fairly, people will buy it. Because pirating is a pain in the fucking ass. People Who's don't want to go to their torrents and, like, spend time downloading it. If you make it easy for them to, to access and easy for them to pay for it, like, if you don't hook it into, like, ten other services, if you just say, here it is, this is how much it costs, give us money and we'll give you what you want. Like, people will buy it. That's, abs- that's exactly right. Yes. And that is the reason that I always turn on Netflix before I think about, you know, downloading something that I'm... Unless I really, really want it, I'll, <laughs> like I'll HBO. just go to Netflix. No, I never... I don't pirate H- HBO stuff because I, I get it through TMN Go. So, to me, like, TMN Go has, has replaced the need to pirate HBO stuff. Yeah. So, there you go. Uh, so yeah, I mean, show me's launching soon. It's launching next month. We'll see how that works. Paid um, beta. It's a paid beta, but it's probably not going to act like a beta. It sounds like they've got their stuff together in terms of coding. Um, so yeah, let's, what else have we got? We got a lot of stuff and it's been like an hour already. So let's, let's roll through it. Okay. Um, get your get your Moto 360 today. It's available. Ma- Moto 360 and Bamboo Moto X available today at Telus. Bamboo, trick or treat. I'm going. Bamboo I'm in that store. is really really nice. It's, um, it's a. Yep. I I, <laughs> I like it. Um, Microsoft Band. What's up with that? Um, interesting. I think that I don't know. It seems like, yeah. I don't know. I don't care. You don't care. I think it's like. It's interesting, but did did they give pricing information? Yeah, it's like one nine nine, right? It's not available in Canada. So yeah, it's one ninety nine US. US. Hmm. outs Jeff Brassard. Hey, it works. It works for Android too, right? Cross platform. Well, it's it's the only it's uh, other than the Fitbit. I think it's the only one that works across all three. Yep. Yep. It's pretty good. Which is it's awesome. coming as part of their new, yeah. their, like their new health apps too, right? Which yeah. just from the photos seemed, you know, both, you know, smart and pretty. I guess that's the, the term of the day. Yeah, I don't know if it's a pretty. <laughs> no Windows Phone pretty. Oh yeah, no Windows Phone is very pretty. I was like part time model pretty. Um, but it's more. It's not like it's not really like a. Smartwatch, smartwatch. I guess if you wanted to go by um, Fitbit's naming, it would be a superwatch because it is notifications and fitness tracking, <laughs> which seems to be what Fitbit classes as a superwatch. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's sad. It's sad that we're already at the point where it's not Android Wear and it's not iOS, so therefore, it's not. It doesn't have the same functionality. But it can't. I, I mean, I don't think it's intended to. I think no, it's, it can. It's cross-platform, so it can have that same level of like app integration and yeah, and all that. I mean, it looks it looks really, really decent. I think. Yeah. It's kind of what the Gear Fit should have been. Yes, the Gear Fit was gorgeous too. There's it's, a real-time it, OS. Just FYI. True. Um, interesting. I I saw that um, or the person that I talked to that in in the summer about this had said that it was going to be um, on the inside of your wrist. Like, the display was going to be on the inside of your wrist. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't... It seems like they haven't, they haven't done that. Mm. 
Well, I guess you could still you could still do it. You could still do it. Band around the other way. I want to see what it look. What does it look like on the, the other side? Just more band, isn't it? More just band. The band. It's got that heart rate sensor. So I no, you can't because it's got the the heart rate sensor on the on the clasp. So I guess you gotta put it on the the inside of your. You, that sensor should needs to be on the inside of your wrist, right? Mm-hmm. But does it? I, th- I thought it, it could do it. Or how does it do it? If it does it optically, doesn't it just do it by like? No, it, it, I mean it doesn't have to be on the inside, but it, I think it's. I think you get a better heart rate. If it's, uh, if it's oh, it is on the inside of your reading. wrist. Yeah, no, no, it, it touches your wrist, but it can touch the. No, I mean the, the display. Top of your wrist. Let me send this to you guys. Um. I think it's interesting, and I, I, I think that this speaks to Microsoft's willingness to, um, you know, just, just be a bit more understanding of where its customers are. It knows yeah. that most office and health customers and all, you know, whatever, are not necessarily on Windows Phone. They're everywhere. Mm-hmm. And we, we talked about this last week in our tete-a-tete about uh, data obsolescence. So for Microsoft to make a smart decision is to say, this is going to be everywhere. So any user that's kind of even partially in the Microsoft ecosystem to, to be able to use this without device concerns, I think that's, uh, Jane had it, it's, it's, it's smarter than what Samsung was trying to do. And if, if you don't get the full notification effect, I don't know, like Pebble on iOS is okay. Pebble's good. I think I still think Pebble has a place, but uh, well, I just mean just mean notification-wise because it's not it's not fully integrated, right? So you don't have that level of control. But um, I mean, Microsoft is giving you access to certain notifications, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it so, seems like their biggest push is like it's a it's a vessel for Microsoft Health. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, but it'll do other stuff too, similar to the way that yeah. the Fitbit Surge will show your phone incoming phone calls, but it'll also but it's mainly a fitness yeah. accessory. Uh, yeah, so let's... Let's breeze through. Let's let's breeze it. Um, oh, BBM, premium features. That right. just launched today. That's kind of cool. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I think... Um, I don't know how many people are going to be willing to pay for premium features on BBM, like a monthly recurring subscription, considering that WhatsApp is... And I'm talking about consumers, not not like BBM protected b- users. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, is anybody really willing to pay a recurring fee for a chat app? Uh, what, well, what, do think... you, what do you get when you pay for it? Like what? what... Well, right now these are the only two features that they've announced: the timed messages and and a. Uh... Oh, okay. So those those things that we talked about last week, you have to pay for them. I mean, that's bullshit. Well, I think that people, if you're talking about consumers, but people who use BBM is going to be like. Wasn't it super big with like teenage girls and stuff? Because they could they could chat for free before WhatsApp was like huge. Um, they're gonna look at it and say like, like I feel like for consumers, a lot of them BBM was like one of the one of the big. It's because it, they BBM and back they have, in the now day, now they're just gonna see it as I have to pay for it. Like you're gonna make it better, but I have to pay. That sucks. No. Well, so I think the big issue here is, you know, Jane, you're right. BBM. BBM was an explosive growth tool internationally for BlackBerry among youth demographics because it allowed people, it, it allowed young people who might have restrictive uh, plans, yeah, restrictive plans to avoid using text messages, yeah, um, and you know communication heavy. It was it was really good. Um, with I think the last 
identity split that BlackBerry currently has between consumer and business is BBM because of where it's come and where they're trying to do. If you if you look at the features that they're they're integrating and BBM protected and security focused and all this thing, it doesn't match with the way that they actually present BBM publicly. Like their marketing, their social accounts is very still that classic consumer focused smiley emo, uh, emoticons, you know, fun chat situation. And I think they're going to have to figure out, like, because no consumers are not going to pay for this, but I think yeah, the consumers who work in companies where this might be useful might. Um, if, this is, if this is a part of a package thing, it's rolled out um, rather than well, individual people just, like, downloading it and paying for it. I don't think they're going to care about security-focused tools. But what's interesting to me is that I, I think this is akin to, say, uh, premium features on a to-do app. So a lot of the big to-do companies like Todoist and AnyDo and Evernote, they all started out with very bare-bones subscription features. They said, mm-hmm. pay us three bucks a month and we will give you four premium features. And over time, that four became 40 and now when you buy an Evernote subscription, you get a ton of premium stuff. They uh, actually to... send you an elephant. They... <laughs> I want my elephant. <laughs> Where's my elephant? Um, We're so, so old. But I, I just love... can't help oh. but feel like people who use BBM for whatever reason are going to look at this the same way. I see, you know, every few weeks someone will say, wait, I have to pay for WhatsApp now? I don't want to pay 99 cents. Like, yeah. what do I have to pay? It was free before. Or I'm going to use gonna any make, other like, messaging app, yeah. Yeah, they're just... And, like, I feel like 99 cents a year for WhatsApp is, like, so beyond reasonable. But <laughs> I know there are oh, people yeah. who don't. But I just, I just think that people are just going to see, like, oh, I used to get BBM for free, and now if I want, like... They're making it better, but they're only making it better for people who are willing to pay them to make it better. Well, I don't think BBM will ever not be free to the majority of its 85 million users. No, I, I know, these... but these features will be paid. But so I don't think most people would care about these features. So, but then why are they making? Why are they making Snapchat? Because their core like customer would care. Photos? Their core customer would care about this, but that core customer isn't necessarily the traditional BBM user. I think they're also going with the idea that one or two of your friends are going to pay for this, and then people are going to go, oh, I need that. <laughs> and then they're also going to pay for it. Okay, which one of us is going to pay for it so that the rest of us want it? <laughs> Why I'll would take... you pay to retract a message? <laughs> uh, oh. Because if, if, if you watch that video, the, bo- the, the guy wanted to cuddle with his boss instead of his girlfriend, and then he had to retract the message. Really? It was... Um, so, I would just I would just double down and go cuddle with the boss. <laughs> just 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 eat it. Just. Well, because it's like how many times you're gonna pay a monthly fee or whatever to just on the off chance that that's gonna be a that you're gonna want to roll that back. Like, I wonder can you I wonder can you cancel your subscription at any time or is it like a minimum twelve months or whatever? Because if that was me, I would be like, hey Daniel, let's go cuddle, and then I would be like, oh crap, and then I would pay it, cancel the message, and then I would like unsubscribe. <laughs> yeah. Well, the features are free for the next three months, and then they're, I think they're going to be talking about more specifically pricing at a later date. So we should maybe just give BBM uh, a try. Give a piece of chance, guys. Give a piece of chance. But I, I'm actually I'm more interested in them getting, if this is a great monetization strategy that's working for them, getting away from the, uh, the message spam that they allow people to buy. It's where I get... Um, 
Oh my god, I hate invites that. all the time on BBM for people who are just trying to sell me things, and it's really annoying. Yeah, it's um, the worst. So other other apps are also monetizing. Um, Snapchat, Instagram, and this, last week, this one's doing it for the U.S. and then Instagram is doing it actually in Canada. Okay, so Daniel, you said that Instagram, uh, way back in the day, uh, was one of your guilty pleasures that you really enjoyed taking photos, sharing photos with that app, looking at photos. I feel that of all the apps on my phone, Instagram is the most serene because it's clean images. It's, it's, I'm much more curated with it. I don't just follow everybody. It's like people that I care about, me wanting to see just nice photos of what's going on in their life. It, it, it bums me out that if it's anything like the Facebook ads or sponsored images, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to bum me right out. I don't know if Instagram would be my go-to photo sharing mode. I oh, I, I disagree. I mean, my Twitter usage hasn't declined since I, since they started adding promoted tweets. And I, every, seeing a sponsored Instagram f- photo once every 200, you know, photos in my stream, I, I really doubt that yeah. it will affect if my Calus usage. If Talos wants Is to it? show me a picture of a cute panda eating bamboo, I'd be like, hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, my, my issue is, is mostly that as long as it stays, and, I, and I'd argue that this is sort of an objective thing, but, oh, sorry, a subjective thing, but I, I would say as long as it jibes with the my aesthetic, the way that I think an Instagram photo should look, as long yeah. as it doesn't seem so out of place that, you know, I start seeing photos of, um, you know, like, shorts and i'm like i don't i don't care about shorts yeah uh you know american eagle i don't ever mm-hmm. want to buy shorts so but if american eagle it's... shows you like a guy in a beautiful sunset in a pair of shorts in a pair of shorts i'd be like all right that's fine that's, that's a nice Instagram. picture yeah okay so then it's on both the way that the brands yeah. choose to implement but then also i think because the points that you made with uh twitter is really good because yeah i'm not as annoyed by Twitter sponsored content as I am with Facebook. First of all, because with the way that Twitter displays content, it is one small portion of just this endless stream of content coming at me. Whereas with Facebook, they're much more, they're up there. They're, you know, you're, you're every two or three messages you're seeing another sponsored ad or sponsored content or things like that. And it's, it's much more imposing. Um, and it's never anything I'm ever interested in ever. So, but I, I also think in, uh, Facebook is, is, is different because Facebook people, t- the, the content itself tends to stay in the same place for longer. Mm-hmm. So you sort of glaze over the ads, which is why they don't feel like they're as present. Yes. Um, like I never really f- look at the ads on Facebook because my mind has sort of uh, cut them out. Whereas I think that with, uh, with Instagram, I would be more likely to be interrupted by a bad ad. Mm-hmm because I don't expect them there and I never want them to be there. Because as uh, you said, it's a serene place. So who owns Instagram and who's likely to be running their ad sales team? Well, Facebook owns them, but I highly, But as I said, Facebook users are going to be less sensitive to ads than Instagram users. I highly doubt we'll ever see a Facebook-like Instagram feed. Oh, just God. because the user base wouldn't, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't allow it. I think there's a tipping point. There is, and that tipping point is Snapchat. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I mean, I've seen a Snapchat ad. Like, I don't think they're just in the U.S. I've yeah, their their first like promoted broadcasted ad that went out to everyone was for that horrific movie. 
And I don't mean bad. I mean spooky. Ouija. Yeah. Ooh. Ouija. Because they, they said they were like, it's going to be in the U.S. But um, So it's interesting that you guys saw it. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I can open it now. Like, I barely use Snapchat. But, but it's gone. It should, that ad should be gone in 24 hours. Right. But they may have, they may have like, put in another ad or something. Right. Uh, anyway. Yeah, I, I have one. I have something called Returns Home. And it looks like it's a Cavs. The Cavs are paying for number twenty. Yeah, this just this looks like a an ad for the Cavs. LeBron James, first first game back as a Cav last night, lost to the Knicks. Yeah, I, um, I mean, there's your sports news, mobile service sports news. Um, okay, so just maybe this can be a topic for next time, but I just want to put this out here. I'm at the point where I would much rather pay money for services yeah someone in the comments said that like in the instagram comments someone was just like ask me to pay but don't give me ads like don't spam me yeah i'll pay 99 but, cents a year for instagram i'm not gonna pay i'm not gonna i'm not gonna look at your your crud yeah. the balance of that though is the stuff that i'm paying for like just paying for a thing to be ad free is pretty <sighs> sad facing but if the, if, the, if the product's really compelling i i understand they it give you 10 new filters but if, if you're paying if it's a freemium service where you're paying for for extra features, they better be worthwhile. Like I'm at, I'm at the point now where I'm willing to pay for Dropbox. I probably, I think if we as a team used Evernote as a content creation, I would probably go premium there. Um, I, you know, I remember the '90s paying for software was cool. Let's bring that back. Let's retro. Um, let's not go back to the '90s when we paid for software in that manner. In you want CD-ROMs? Microsoft and Carta. Like oh, eight man. CD-ROMs or AOL discs, but no, like just uh, well, you know how they have like an international vinyl day now, and it just promotes all sales. They should have an international. I know how you know that they have for an software. international vinyl day. <laughs> okay. Hey, I, I'm a, I'm on board with the vinyl. You you're a luddite, but uh, I love you anyway. I just I just respect my elders. <laughs> um, more more money stuff. Apple Pay. Yeah. Uh, not coming to Canada no anytime hope. soon. I disagree with that. I I talked to somebody at Mastercard and he thinks that Apple Pay will arrive next year. Um, I don't necessarily. I don't think he knows. I think Apple Pay. I think the biggest boundary to Apple launching Apple Pay in Canada isn't the banks. It's the fact that Apple rarely launches a new product in one market. They they'll. At their next WWDC, they may announce that Apple Pay has expanded to 20 new markets or yeah. 10 new markets or whatever. But they'll never just launch it in Canada. And that would probably be the reason. They're probably waiting for, for other countries yeah, they to, don't get, to get on board. Well, and it's, it's a much better message to, to do it. I, yeah, I, I think it, it, it might be there in 2015. It might be at the tail end, like as you said, like the next WWDC or something, they announced that. Um, I think it was the analyst was very interesting that they're like, they are probably far more interested in getting that in China or in larger markets than Canada, despite, you know, the interview that I did with MasterCard's CIO, uh, innovation officer, not information, uh, was like, inf- in- the infrastructure is completely there for Apple Pay to work in Canada, super easy. Um, but, you know, one situation that might even slow Canada in relation to uh, other countries is the our different regulatory policies around privacy. And I think... Also, just even like needing the sign off of the banks, I, I don't, I don't necessarily understand the detailed aspects of how the banks participate in this stuff. But um, it's, it, I think it required. I think because they started the companies that 
created the infrastructure for Canadian payments, they're also somewhat of a gatekeeper in getting this stuff integrated. Like, Daniel, you made the, a great point yesterday. That, like, in Canada, all our credit cards come through banks. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're still kind of locked down and make bets on how it's going to work. Right. I mean, it's, it's not going to be difficult to integrate. It's just the banks need to get off their high horse and stop trying to push their own solutions. And that's really the first and, and only thing they need to do. They open up to Apple. Apple says, okay, let's do it. And then they go for it. I don't think there's a lot of technological barriers to integration in Canada because most big merchants have already adopted touchless, uh, touchless pa- uh, payment mm-hmm. terminals. I, all the banks have already integrated their own NFC base, except for, I think, BMO. Every single bank in Canada or every major bank in Canada has an NFC partnership with at least one carrier. Uh, so. I know. So BMO actually does because my BMO Raptors card is uh, MasterPass enabled. No, no, no. I know. But they don't have a mobile payment solution. Oh, thank God. Great. Why do we need more of those? Because, well, okay. whatever. That's besides the point. Um, yeah, I, I think it'll come. I think Apple Pay needs to come to Canada. Apple definitely wants it to come to Canada. It probably will be one of the most successful rollouts because customers know what mobile payments are and they will mm-hmm. probably be more likely to adopt it more quickly because they've used Touch, they've used like PayPass and MasterPass and, and oh, TouchWave yeah. and all we're that stuff. Tapping like crazy. We got chips in our cards and everything. Things in our booms. Um. Uh, what else? Well, last last but not least, let's talk Galaxy, well, Samsung's Gear S uh, wearable, wearable. The um, the device was announced, or the wearable smartwatch was announced yesterday uh, to come to AT and T and T Mobile. They will sell it in carrier stores and offer a data plan for between five and ten dollars a month. Uh, T-Mobile will will just have a standalone 500 megabyte five dollar $5 a month plan, whereas AT&T will offer it with their share plans, like what they have in in, in Canada on Rogers Bell and Telus. Yeah. So presumably a ten dollar fee per month to add it to your existing data pool yeah. seems reasonable, given that they they charge the same for tablets. Yeah. What do you guys think? I think yeah. so. I've I've done that ten dollar kind of data add-on uh, plan before, and I, it's not. Yeah, I worrisome. think it's super reasonable. I don't know what I think. I think T-Mobile is slightly more appealing in five dollars. It's kind of like, ooh. Um, but that stands on its own. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just don't know. I just I think that the price is right for for five bucks to to say like, hey, like, because you get five hundred megs and then you get unlimited um, minutes and texting. Because yeah. yeah, people are probably the thing that they're going to do the most is is make calls on their watch. They're not gonna they're not gonna be browsing. Uh, they'll probably make a couple calls and, and send a couple text messages. Send a few. Oh, emails. I. I completely disagree with that. What? I don't think anybody's going to be making phone calls on their watch because this is going to have a, a, a it's they're going to have their own SIM cards, right? So it's going to have their own phone number. No, the so, the, the AT&T version is not. The AT&T version um according to them it's going to be like sort of like those those internet data sticks. It's just going to be all the the calls and the text messages are going to be still going to be rooted through your phone. So it's not it will have its own SIM card, but it won't have a phone number assigned to it. Like oh, so it's just a data. It's just a data SIM card. Yeah, but the way it, that technically, it will just initiate a call from the phone. Yeah. So, the unlimited call and texting is irrelevant. 
for AT&T. Yeah, so AT&T never said that. AT&T just said, oh, it'll just be added to your share plan for $10 extra. Like, that's that's what they said. T-Mobile was like, here's it's going to cost five bucks, and you're going to get unlimited talk and text and 500 megs. Okay. So it's two different approaches, I think. But then the T-Mobile one will have a phone number assigned to it. it yeah, has I think so. It has to. So nobody's going to make a phone call from a second phone number on their wrist because that'll just be confusing. I mean, not nobody, but few people are going to do that. I think more people are going to use it to uh, stream RDO music or do, you know, upload to RunKeeper, things like that, that you do on your phone, but they want to isolate that experience on their, on their smartwatch without relying on a phone. Either way, well, well, whatever people are doing on their watch, I think that $5 a month is, like, is a price that is insignificant enough for most people to be like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. Whatever people want to do in the privacy of their own wrist is totally cool for 5 bucks. Yep. Except the wrist is not private because people can see it. Well, it depends on where you put it. Hey, yo. Oh. <laughs> no, Spooky! That yeah. Um... <laughs> Well, that's that's our show, folks. Thank you oh, so much. Happy for listening. Halloween! Shout outs. Go out. Sorry, shout go outs. ahead. Do your shout, shout outs, Douglas. Shout outs, uh, Jayton and uh, Brett Arnold Allard, uh, the Shinra Corp for having a great name. Um, you guys gave us some uh, feedback on our last podcast about ideas for changing the re- re- review policy. That's pretty cool. Uh, Jeff Broussard, you already got a shout out. Second shout out because you want us to talk about Windows 10. God bless you. We'll see when that happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe maybe when phones are Windows 10 related. But uh, well, yeah, maybe, we're, we're, maybe when we're in the calendar year when Windows 10 will be a thing. Yeah. That's on, that's we will talk about Windows 10. Don't don't worry. Yeah, we but, just don't have, yeah. we don't really have a lot to say right now because the version available for PCs is very desktop focused, and we we don't really want to get there. That's a whole can of worms that uh, would just extend our podcast to being like three hours and then you would hate us and never listen again. So uh, also I just want to thank everybody for your kind words on my reviews and our reviews in general uh, in the podcast comments last week. Uh, We're definitely taking that, all those things into consideration, uh, those suggestions for different categories and basing them on price points and things like that. And uh, we will be making some changes very soon. Uh, And to everybody who listens and tweets and pods and does whatever we love you thank you so much yay have a great halloween be safe and uh, get get some candy tomorrow yes get some discount candy all right see you later folks hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.